0: welcome to the uh, <laughs> podcast tips with Rob Greenley show thank you for joining me you know this is a live show and we're we're coming to you uh, as as real and in, in person as we can and I'm excited to have you here with me on episode six of of uh, podcast tips with Rob greenley and I'm Rob greenley and you probably see my my name there in the corner but uh thank you so much for for, for joining me and coming back if you're a a reoccurring kind of viewer of the program it's great to have you back with you with with me again and keep in mind toward the end of the show we're going to do another StreamYard merch giveaway Uh, it's basically going to be a uh, mug and puddles the duck that's going to be raffled off in our software so so follow the instructions on the ticker below Uh, just uh, use the hashtag uh, the yard in uh, the comment field in the platform that you're watching and you will be part of the uh, raffle that's going to go off at the end of the show so let me trigger that here and make sure that everybody gets included in that so go ahead and get your get your submissions in on that as soon as possible and we will uh, get the get the show on the road here so I I'm excited today to have a very, 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 very special guest. It's a, it, it's, it's a gentleman that I've known for many, many years, even back to the days when I worked at Microsoft and worked on the Xbox and Zoom platform. And uh, he's been a, a very active member of the uh, kind of content uh, media landscape. And so I feel really lucky to be able to have him on, on the show today to kind of share his experience and expertise And how he's worked with media at large media companies and small, small media companies over the years, um, you know, startups, and has had really a unique and pioneering path in the in the digital content world spanning over multiple decades, kind of like, you know, myself, and has really been at the forefront, I think, of um, video content innovation is the former CEO of a company, probably many of you haven't heard of before. It's uh, a revision three. And he's been the CEO and GM of VidCon, which I'm sure most of you have heard of. And it has a newsletter um, out there, too, called Inside the Creator's Economy. And during the show, I will uh, share with you how to subscribe to that newsletter. I think it's very insightful for any content creator that's looking to create content these days to give uh, you know you some terrific insights into uh, what's going on in the uh, the creator's economy out there, which is, I think it's an interesting time for that. And I think um, we shall see how that uh, kind of plays out in the subsequent months as we're going through a tough economy. But welcome to the show, uh, Jim Latterbach. Um Thank you for taking time out of your schedule and joining me here and talking to me and talking to our live audience.
1: No problem. It's great to be here. Thanks, Rob. I actually have a couple of the Zunes kicking around here in the house <sighs> somewhere, but I forgot to bring them over. I was going to show them off. I have an old BlackBerry in the back, but that's yeah. not that's not nearly as good as the Zune, which was had an, an amazing design and this is super fun. They still work too.
0: Yeah. No, I have one here too. I got one of the last ones. And if you've never heard of Zune before, which <laughs> yeah, right. a lot of people <laughs> haven't, it was an early kind of iPod competitor that was made by Microsoft. And I, I managed the podcast area on that platform for about seven years, um, and then it got absorbed into Xbox. And, and that's really got me heavily involved in podcasting, really, is when I worked for Microsoft and really got seen as kind of someone that w- what was really kind of um, kind of helping a lot of creators and, and really kind of leading in an important platform in the medium back then, because Zoom was the second largest platform behind Apple back then. Uh, but then they shut it down in 2014 and kind of Microsoft moved on and kind of a little bit got out of content, um, you know, except for w- what they were doing with the Xbox back then. So so I, I went on to work for Podcast One back then. So, So both Jim and I kind of went off in different directions and didn't cross paths too much. For, uh, for a while. But what what I'm hoping to do in the uh, show today with Jim is to do a deep dive into the fascinating history and evolution of video podcasting. And, um, and given he's a pioneer in this and hopefully we can unravel some of the secrets and the lessons that came out of the early days of um, video podcasting and kind of what I'm all about now is this convergence strategy of, of doing audio and video at the same time. And, a platform like Streamyard is a terrific way to actually deploy that, and how important that kind of content is today. As you think about all these platforms, so Jim, let's let, let's just kind of talk a little, little bit about um, what you learned when you worked on the startup back in those days of uh, Revision Three, and how you guys were really focused on video podcasting, which is RSS distribution of uh, of video. So, which is kind of a lot of people don't even realize that uh, video can be distributed in RSS today. So, I don't know, start wherever you want to on that experience and that journey.
1: Well, yeah, and look, Rob, you and I got to know each other when I was at Revision 3, running Revision 3. Yep. We were an early online video startup that grew out of uh, a cable network called ZDTV that became tech TV and a bunch of us... Really, were the first geeks on television. Uh, everybody from Leo Laporte to Kevin Rose to Patrick Norton and a bunch of yep. other people you may or may not know. Right. But with uh, as that sort of got sold to Comcast and wound down because just television wasn't ready for it. Uh, a couple <laughs> of the people that had been at Tech TV said, "Well, you know, we can do this kind of stuff and put it out on the internet." Uh, I had moved on from Tech TV to run PC Magazine as editor in chief and. We actually, I, I discovered this little box called the Tricaster, which was the first way that you could do a multi-camera live switch video and stream on the internet, just like television. But yeah. instead of having twenty people in a control room, you could have one people running it. I still have an old Tricaster in here somewhere. Um, but yeah. basically, we started doing shows in many of the same ways that we were doing at uh, at Tech TV, but. Via the TriCaster and streamed onto the internet through, you know, with, with just a couple of people. And at the time, Apple was only doing audio podcasts, but um, the folks that I'd worked with at Revision 3 were doing, they, they started Revision 3 to do some of the same things and ended up, uh, most of us who were doing what I was doing at PC Mag went over to Revision 3 as I went in there to go be CEO and build Revision 3. And one of the key things that propelled Revision 3 to success was when apple announced video podcasting because we mm-hmm. all said at that time it's like hey podcasting via audio is a great way to reach people everybody's got these newfangled apple devices and now we can do video as well it wasn't live necessarily because you had to download it and there wasn't enough bandwidth to stream it live necessarily so it was a lot of download and watch later but through our shows, and we did a show called Techzilla, which was pretty much screensavers from tech TV reimagined. Uh, Dignation was one of our big shows, Dignation, Kevin Rose's show with Alex Albrecht that so he was running Dig at the time, which was basically them sitting on a couch talking about stories of the week on Dig while they drank a couple beers. And, hey. um, and other shows in that sort of tech geek space, gaming shows, shows about comic books and other things. And we were, in many ways, one of the biggest – video podcasting networks we were the, probably one of the first there were oh, a couple yeah. others out there too but we started distributing it that way we put it on zoom we put it on uh iTunes and all these video networks started to pop up like YouTube and rever and break and blip and vo and oh, 20 or 30 of them and so we started distributing our video podcasts across all of those networks and that's kind of how it started you know we started doing video podcasts distributing on apple and on our own servers via rss download watch later which is one of the beauties of rss it would download in the background when you got in the car you got on the subway it was already there and ready for you but these other networks started popping up and over time they went from more of the hey really low bandwidth stuff that you can stream that's short to higher bandwidth stuff that looked really good that you could stream and so Kind of the yeah. evolution of Revision Three and from the early days of video podcasting.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how that 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 kind of faded away. Um, uh, I think that kind of started to fade away in probably like 2011, 12 to some degree, as as YouTube was picking up steam, right? I think so. That that transition back then. So what what was that like for for Revision Three at that time? I know that y- you were doing the video podcasting, and then increasingly you were probably working with YouTube. Correct.
1: Yeah. Well. Uh. Eventually, in this two thousand two thousand eight. There was a, another one of those big economic shocks, right? And and we right. were startup, and everybody went through it, and we laid off a third of our staff. And I had already been dabbling with YouTube anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, for example, you know, there's a lot of talk these days about oh, cut up your longer podcasts, video podcast, and put them on TikTok, put them on Shorts, put them on YouTube. Well, I was doing that in the early days of the early days of YouTube. I was yeah. taking Dignation and cutting three or four minute clips off and putting it on YouTube. And in fact, if you, you know, the the Dignation it looks like the Dignation channel is still live on YouTube. I haven't been there for a while. Um, but oops, I just went over there now, but yeah, so there's a lot of stuff here. You can see a bunch of the short forms that we did. I even took, at one point, we were working with Gary Vaynerchuk's Wine Library TV, and he would be doing 20 or 30 or 40 minutes tasting wine, and I would cut up the wines and try and do a cut-down three-minute version of it and put those on YouTube. And so over time, more and more of our views started to come from there, and then when this economic shock happened, we basically were like, hey, what are we going to do? It's like, well, we'll continue to distribute where we are, but we are really going to lean in heavily on YouTube. And so started finding geeks on YouTube, gamers on YouTube, and other people to be part of our television network, as we call it, yeah. then, our you know, revision three network. But really, we became one of the early eventually YouTube networks or multi-channel networks. Mm-hmm. And um and shifted and pretty much stopped pushing stuff out to those other platforms because they all went out of business because YouTube yeah. took over.
0: Yeah. No, that's exa- exactly true. And and it just seems like you know since then up until like maybe um like maybe a year year ago or so um increasing the podcast industry thought of themselves as an audio only medium um and this kind of connection with video and the connection with YouTube kind of has faded away i know i i faced quite a bit of resistance in the industry around trying to embrace video back again with podcasting and and I know when I was back working on the Zoom platform and working with Windows Media Center and stuff and I'm sure you 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 remember that time when I was doing that where I was bringing together all of the the video podcasts and getting them out on trying to build audience on the video podcasting side and it was always you know it's this this battle around I tried to create this brand on the Microsoft platform called Web TV back in those days. I'm sure you remember that. Oh, yeah. And w- w- was trying to create that kind of experience around video podcasting, but it, it it just started to fade away to some degree. And that's what was really interesting about, you know, the the last couple of years, how we've seen YouTube just become such a dominant search engine for media, right? And so increasingly, people have been thinking that they're watching video podcasts on YouTube. And then all of a sudden we see now YouTube is is all in right on on calling um a playlist a podcast now and it's causing a lot of consternation in the podcast industry around what YouTube is doing. So I don't know what you think about all that.
1: Yeah, look it uh and if you you know if if you really want to see what podcasts look like in video on YouTube uh, 13 years ago, go take a look at uh, the Dignation site which is still on YouTube, scrolling through yeah. it. A lot of the stuff I put up there's still there. Short and long form. But I think what, what happened was as online video morphed, we morphed into these vloggers and these people doing stuff directly on YouTube, and they were doing shorter, three, four, five minutes yeah. was about as long as you wanted to do. And over time, YouTube, you know, originally they leaned into this short form and video and, and doing that and being completely separate. But over time, they realized that the way to make money was time spent. And the way to have more time spent was to have people put up longer videos. So, it used right. to be they would optimize for views, which was a 3 second view or a 5 second view to start with. Yeah. But they started optimizing for time spent. And time spent with videos very different. So the video, the you know, the videos that they wanted people to watch were 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And that started to lean into podcasting because as you well know and hopefully people listening know, podcasting engages you at such a level that you want to Spend an hour with your favorite podcasters. People listen. Yeah. But at the same time, we had the examples of Howard Stern and Don Imus and other people who were doing radio but doing video versions of it on MSNBC and other places. And so historically, having people listen to radio and watch it in a way became very interesting as well. And so Mm -hmm. as YouTube started to embrace longer content and as more people started doing audio, and there was that resurgence of audio podcasting in many ways across iTunes and and, um, uh, Shopify, Spotify, and a bunch of the others. Um, The video started to become more relevant as well because YouTube was optimizing for longer videos. If you could produce something engaging and put it on YouTube as a podcast that worked both in audio and video, that became in some ways the best of both worlds. And so we're seeing a little bit of that happening now. And the creators who are doing podcasts, who are you know really good at engaging audiences, and so that's why they have great live shows, and that's why people come back, and that's why they subscribe, are something that really works well now on some of the video platforms too.
0: Yeah. So, how do you see the kind of the content landscape of of what is working um, now versus what you guys created back then? I think what you guys were creating back then was maybe a little bit more. I think, and this probably explains why Revision 3 ultimately got sold to Discovery Channel, right? Um, Was that you guys were kind of creating like just online television type experiences, but it seems like, you know, it's not, is it like that now or are we heading back to that again? Do Do you think? Well, I think, look, with
1: Revision 3, we were leaning into audiences and content to appeal to those audiences and the platforms where they were. So we were doing shorter form stuff. Right around lots of different things. So we were, you know, we had moved away from the idea that we were television on the internet, and more towards we're going to embrace what people are doing right now, and um, really focus on the formats and the platforms and the way that people were watching. And so that's one of the reasons why we ended up being successful, and the reason why Discovery right. bought us was because we were leaning into some of the same audiences. We right. were doing stuff in technology, we were doing stuff in in science, we were doing stuff in um, you know, some of the entertaining areas that they had leaned into. And a lot of those YouTube networks was Maker or Full Screen or Us or Awesomeness or others. The big media companies were poking around because they wanted to not miss this next generation of media, except, of course, for Viacom, who was suing YouTube, but we might talk about that later. So right. we were one of the first ones to actually sell to a big media company, but a number of them followed afterwards. And only after we got there did we start to embrace some of the discovery models and the discovery. I won't say they're IP because we built a lot of our own IP. But one of the things we were tasked to do was to go in the library and mm-hmm. look at all the things in the library and make YouTube quality programming out of the library. So we went and looked at all the animal video, and you know, one of our great producers came with the idea of "Nature Hates You," which were basically um, three to five minute. Stories segments about things in nature that try to kill you like tarantulas or right. other sorts of animals. Right. And, you know, we started a daily science news show that was short called D news. And, uh, you know, we took that up to a million subscribers super quickly. And so a bunch of other things there, I think what we're seeing now that's interesting is longer form mm-hmm. is becoming more like television as YouTube wants to engage people for longer periods of time but yeah. shorter form, like shorts and reels yeah. and TikTok. And and finally, you know, we're going from the, you know, the the wide version to the tall version, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. So that becomes the sort of, I got 10 minutes. What are you going to do? Entertain me with my short form video to, I want to just find something to watch and sit back and chill and relax. And that is YouTube for sure. But YouTube now is one of the top television distributors as well. And it's yeah. and so much of the YouTube viewing happens on the big screen TV at home that the yeah. lines have really, really blurred. Yeah. And that That's- also, as those lines blur um, from both a viewership perspective and a device viewing perspective and a celebrity perspective, podcasting and video podcasting are becoming part of that mix where you can shift in some ways on the spectrum between audio only and video only. I mean, you look at what, um, you know, you look at, at, at um, Amy Poehler or some of the really interesting folks out there, what they've been able to do on podcasting and it's some of its video. And, you know, so it's, it's just media more and more is not a this or that, but it's a spectrum. And you figure out where you sit on that spectrum and audio and podcasting and video to me today fit on that spectrum. Whereas in the past, they were very separate and
0: distinct. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it does seem like, you know, the early video podcasts content was, was a little bit longer form. You know, I think about, you know, Dignation and some of those type of platforms was very conversational content, but it was also longer form content. And then I think when that content moved over to YouTube, YouTube was all about, you know, the five-minute videos, right? So that caused you to... To, to shift, but now we're seeing, you know, even Twitter is going long-form content now, right? So who next- knows
1: what Twitter is doing? I don't use yeah. that as a weather for anything except Elon Musk's particular ravings at the time. So, but yeah, you're right. There is more long-form everywhere, and even live. I mean, look at Twitch pops yeah. out, and yeah. people are live streaming for hours and hours, and and that is something that is fascinating and interesting as well from a user behavior as well as a consumption behavior.
0: Yeah. So it, it's just, it feels to me like we're kind of going back to the early days of video podcasting as far as the kind of content that was, that was going as YouTube has kind of shifted more towards, you know, offering that longer form content experience. Um, And I think that that is a good move for them. And it's certainly been valid in the podcasting space. If you look at the, like the top, you know, fifty shows and podcasting, most of them are at least forty-five minutes to fifty minutes long or longer. Uh if you look at like the Joe Rogan experience, it it can be two and a half hour show. So, you know, you start thinking about how that works with podcasting and how YouTube maybe wants that more. And then you get, you know, like the Lex Friedman podcast, which can be very, very long as well. And you can see the whole spectrum from shorts to, to long. And that's, you know, I think it really kind of opens up the opportunity for content creators to do what their passion is. There's success that can be found in both, both ends of the spectrum. I'm not sure you have to play in one end or the other end and, and find success like it was in the early days of, of YouTube.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it can be fluid. You know, you can start in one place and move to the other way or, or, yeah, or, or do both. And <laughs> yeah, well, And the other thing is look, um, podcasting, is cheap content when it comes to video. You know, the the thing, the early days of YouTube yeah. and the online video platforms, it was all super expensive, inexpensive to make. I mean, we could fire up a Tricaster and do a multi-camera switch show cheaply. We could go out and, you know, you could sit in your bedroom go, hi, everyone, here on my bedroom, we're going to do a whole video today. Look what I just bought. It's a new iPad. It's great. Don't you love it? You know, that's cheap content over time. With Mr. Beast and other people out there, they became more and more expensive to make stuff that would stand out. The inexpensive stuff was still there. But, you know, when you want to engage somebody for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, it's not just a, you know, hi, everyone, I'm in my bedroom. But it becomes more of a a highly produced thing, and that costs money, even though it's less than sort of what a traditional show would have cost 10 or 15, 20 years ago. But the idea with video podcasting and podcasting is gen- general, and some of it, by the way, is beautifully produced. And people go out and they do stories and they do, you know, things that take a long time. And I've I've worked on budgets for expensive podcasts. Mm-hmm. But you sit a couple people down like us or like you know Joe Rogan or, or other things where it's the personalities and the video and audio, but it's not expensive. the, the permanent cost of a video podcast of you know, like what we're doing, or other, you know, some of the other top
0: ones. Is
1: not that expensive.
0: Yeah. Um, I think um, if you look at uh, Mr. Beast and what he's doing there, um, how do you contrast his, I mean, he's built quite a media company um, around him. Um, How's that media company, Jim, do you think different than the media company that you built with the revision three? Is there a big difference between the two or do you see a lot of overlap there?
1: Yeah, they spend a lot more per minute on each video. Well, I'm sure that's uh, true.
0: I mean, he travels the the world and builds yeah. things and breaks things and crushes things and all sorts of things. Yeah, look,
1: and that's a format that is driven around one person and, and one personal vision, which is great. It's very, it's, it's you know, it it, it has its own story arc and, you know, it, it's it's built on top, built on top. Fantastic, fantastic. And you know there are examples of that like at at whether it's at revision 3 we were working with epic mealtime which is all about like make crazy food cheap yep. and or I go out that and right buy a zillion burgers and eat them or whatever and so you know over time it got a little bit more expensive but it never it you know it wasn't at that level so there are you know there are a lot of people i mean one of the reasons why mr beast stayed in north carolina was and in the middle of like you know eastern carolina was because they could go out in the field and blow stuff up and not really have to worry about you know legal issues or other things and so then you know we 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 blew our stuff up on a show one time but uh, it was really expensive to do and we didn't do it again so
0: well you know in his his audience and what what he's built is is remarkable and I I don't think we ever achieved that in the early days of the video podcasting to get 3 or 400 million people viewing one video right it just that scale just wasn't possible back then. it's
1: also far more global now than it was then too and and the ability to do auto translation or the kind of translation that that mr beast is doing in all those different languages to be able to go up on youtube and be able to see all those different languages and see them directly and to reach that global audience is fascinating as well because you know the english-speaking audience is i don't know i'm probably going to be off by a ways but I think the speaking audience you know it's like it's US Australia Canada UK a little bit more what is that like 5 or 600 million um yeah. you know of a 7 billion so it's less than 10% of the population somebody's going to have the numbers put it in chat but um you know when you can reach when when you can reach people in spanish and in french and in german and in farsi and in in chinese and all the different dialects and uh, and Russian and everything else with just one video, that's amazing too. And so that's certainly very different today than it was. And I've been doing, you know, VidCon's around the world and then other events around the world. And you know, one of the things that is is obvious to probably all of us who are listening, but not obvious to media people, mm-hmm. uh, traditional media people, is that is that you know the the creativity and the ability to create compelling video, audio, whatever you want to call it, content is evenly distributed around the world right. and. Through the power of the internet and the platforms that we have, and lowered costs of technology. I mean, that's another thing. Technology is less today than it was 10 or 15 years ago. You can anywhere in the world start a show, start a podcast, start a video, start a channel, and reach a global audience. You don't have to go to London. You don't have to go to Dubai. You don't have to go to LA. You don't have to go to Sydney. Um, you don't have to go to these center, media centers to create and build and grow. And now you can do it in your native language and reach a global audience that doesn't even speak your language. So to yeah. me, that is one of the coolest things happening that everyone should be leaning into.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Um, John had a good comment here. He said, my average show is 90 minutes long. And the longest that he's ever done is three and a half hours. Um, do you think um, that we are at that point, Jim? Where, where you know, longer form content? I mean, obviously, it's more difficult to drive value to short form content. Um, longer form content, you can get into, you can get into depth. You can actually have conversations that are meaningful. And and you know, why do you think we have kind of stretched to the the ends of the spectrum of where success can be found around duration?
1: Well, look, first of all, it's, you know, long form is great, but you can also boil the crap out of people too. So let's be clear. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I do wonder about this show too. I mean, I mean, if I have um, more, you know, if I have comments in here and I pull them up on the screen and I talk about the comments, it, it, it can kind of take the conversation that we're having in a different direction. So it does create this tension in the show around focus and, and driving that value. But if the focus is around interactivity, it's, it, that's the interesting part for me as I think about live and, and, and I know we haven't even got to that part yet um, yep. is how live plays into this even in the on-demand side. So, and in that interactivity of audience engagement and connection, I've been putting up, if you're listening to the audio on this, I've been putting up comments that are coming in from the, the viewers of this and it, it creates a, a different feel, you know, to, you know, I've done a lot of prerecorded uh, podcasts over, over many years and, you know, it's always missing this piece. And I've, I, I've always enjoyed that. So I, yeah, you know, I know that you didn't do a lot of live back in your revision three days, but I, I think you did a little bit. Well,
1: right? we, we, well yeah, we can talk about live, but I've been mean, back to your point about, about length. Yeah. Some people are better at longer forms. Some people are better at shorter form. There are some people who work really well on TikTok in that, Or shorts in that 60-second framework of telling a story that quickly. And that is an art. There's also an art to being able to do, you know, like what John's doing, 90 minutes, longest three and a half hours. There's an art to being able to engage at that level and keep people going. So, again, the nice thing about the technologies that we have, whether it's YouTube or road technologies or other people, is the cost to produce anywhere in the world and distribute is so low that you can find an audience and do great stuff. And if you're good at short form and want to edit it and do that, that's great. If you're good at long form, you can find an audience too. So I think the opportunity has now been opened up to everybody and we see auteurs pop up at many different lengths of their content.
0: Yeah. I think it's up to the creator of what they want to do too. I mean, I, I, And what they enjoy, what their skills at. I mean, I think it does take a certain different kind of skill to do live than it does pre-recorded. You know, I know it's, I mean, there's a different energy there. Um, Well,
1: live's another thing. Like, I started doing um, live television back when I first started doing television. Most of it was live. When we started ZDTV, which became tech TV, we did most of our stuff live because it was less expensive than, you know, (laughs) than recording it and putting it out there. And so and because we put geeks on television who'd never really done tv before i always found live for most of them was better because you could you, you, there were no do-overs there were no oh man i made a mistake can we start to roll again i'm like no no you're live just keep going it's fine it's much more authentic and real and you know it also tends to clench whatever part of you clenches up when you get a little nervous and that does a little bit better i think too so um and and look as i talked about in the early days of revision three and uh and what we were doing at pc mag with video live was not necessarily an option because you unless you wanted to go at like qsif size right 320 by 240 which is like really tiny and you can't really see anything and so you yeah. could do live there but in the end pre-recorded was better because you could be at, at, at sd or hd now you can stream live at 4k at 10 you know at 1024p and so technology has allowed us to do things and globally we found people who are really good at taking advantage of technology's advances just like when we get into more interactive and immersive worlds whether it's roblox or epic or metaverse or whatever we will see new um auteurs and uh and entertainers take advantage of that format
0: yeah it's going to be interesting and then 360 degree video is something I've been playing around with too, to some degree. And it does kind of make you wonder what the, the Apple um, glasses, you know, augmented reality VR glasses that are, that are going to be coming out in the coming years, how that's going to impact the the video consumption uh, and formats and experiences around that too. So there is some evolution uh, revolution coming to video, I think, and those experiences. And I'm just curious what that, reaction is going to be on the part of content creators i think it's going to open open new opportunities and new ways of creating content that we haven't seen before yeah but
1: i think we'll see the same thing happen with you know with online video and youtube and tiktok and things like that is the people who grew up on television to large part were like oh no i don't get it this is so new and different push it away push it away i'm not native to it right whereas the people who grew up with it and were native to it were the ones who became this i mean I mean, you can bring up Mr. Beast, but you can bring up Emma Chamberlain. You can bring up so many people who did really well in this space. You can bring up Pootie Pie. You can bring up who basically grew up with it and they were native to it and they became the experts. Well, the you know the person who's going to be native to these immersive 3D formats probably just graduated middle school and yeah, has been right. like on Minecraft or building like little right. experiences on Roblox. And that Mr. Beast is out there. It's not going to be Mr. Beast.
0: It's going to be somebody new. It's going to be different kinds of content. It doesn't mean through. that
1: those of you on this listening and that, uh, that we can't do it because, you know, look, I'm like, I managed to make the transition. You made the transition um, yeah. and other people have done a great job at it. But the ones who I think are going to push the format and really come up with new and amazing, interesting ways to communicate and tell stories and engage people are going to be the, like, for example, I was just on a session at, at Web Summit in Lisbon with um, Tommy in it. And if you don't know Tommy Innit, 19 years old, he's got 50 million followers on Twitch and across YouTube, and you know he's a, he he streams through Minecraft and creates things. And what he does, and he's part of Dream SMP and a bunch of other, but tells stories using the canvas of this open world Minecraft. And other people do it with Roblox, other do, people do it with with uh, Epic stuff with Fortnite. But the way that he tells stories is amazing, and the way he engages are amazing. It's not something I don't think I could do. But it's a really new way to do it. And he, he said, this struck me, like, over uh, COVID um, and during the lockdown, when he really rose to fame, he was like, yeah, a bunch of me and my friends are on Minecraft. We just tried, decided to retell the story of Hamilton in Minecraft. And that was yeah. one of the things that really propelled him. And it was it's amazing and so creative. And, you know, I never would have thought of something like that. I'm like, clearly not going to be a Roblox creator. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I like the comment here from April, which is that most uh, live stream hosts choose to ignore their community these days. I think that's an interesting observation. You know, I, I, I do think that, you know, it's this conflict between focus on Telling, telling a story in the podcast versus having it be an interactive experience. And being able to mentally be able to navigate that is something that requires kind of some skill and practice and, and things like that. And so, it's, so in my mind, Sheep, she writes here, those hosts who include their community are the ones who win in getting people to take action. So, you know, and I'm not necessarily about taking action here, but I'm also about taking action about, you know, having you comment here and give us feedback. And I, I will do my best to get you up on the screen. If you have a question that, you know, we can really chew on or a comment that's really relevant to what we're talking about. And I think that's, that's what I'm looking for in, in, in comments and that, you know, connection with you who is watching and listening to this is that, um, you know, have a conversation. Um, so I don't know what you think about that, Jim. I mean, about live versus pre-recorded, and and the skills that it takes to be able to navigate that.
1: Well, and in many ways, there's that community is really all you have, and live really helps to build communities. It does, uh, yeah. and and we're seeing sort of new sort of live streamers pop up. And this is something that's big in Japan with the company is Pucha. I'm going to look it up and find it out. But basically, you have these live streamers who build community. And they go on every day and the same groups of people, the same people show up because loneliness is such an epidemic in the world. Right. And it's hard to connect with people in in real life, real time, face to face. And some of these live streamers, live communities are just really good at bringing in 10, 20, 50, 100, 300 people every night for an hour or two. And that's their water cooler. That's their their connection. That's That's their connection. Right. And so – we're seeing classes of creators who can do that and make, a, you know, a real living doing that as well. So there's, there's all sorts of different ways that live will extend beyond just, you know, we're doing a podcast live or I'm doing this video live. It's like just the people who sit at the center of a community, which may just be really good at connecting to other people and connecting people to each other mm-hmm. are another sort of skill that is developing for sure. It's certainly really big in, in Japan and it's becoming big in the U.S. as well.
0: I'm not sure that it's, um, I, you know, it, it's as widely utilized. I'm talking about live as, as the pre-recorded format. Um, oh. It's still not as fully, fully developed because I, I think people like to create complicated videos. Um, and, and I felt this kind of this tension around, I created a couple of videos on my trip back to Seattle that I did about, you know, I did a couple of reviews on electric vehicles and I just used my iPhone. Uh, and I've actually got a bunch of videos in my channel that have got. I think I'm about to hit um, uh, 1 million views. And a lot of the views in there go back like 15 years. And I just used a mobile phone to, to record those things. And they don't have big intros and they don't have exits and they don't have big flashy graphics and all this kind of stuff. They're just basic informational videos, right? that people are looking for to decide whether or not they're going to buy a certain car or electric car or something like that and i think that's what a lot of youtube is really built on is just solving life's problems
1: well tiktok as well i mean yeah. think no, about tiktok true. you 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 know you get a fancy rig to record on it and you can tell if you record on your iphone or your android you can tell there too so you yeah, you know, and TikTok's leaning more into live too, and there's live shopping, and you know, all sorts of different ways you can do oh, yeah. live. Well, but,
0: that, we could do a deep dive on TikTok, right?
1: Yeah, there is a sense of of more sort of direct, natural, and you look. Know, one of the there, there are a couple different trends going on here. I talked a little bit about loneliness, and by the yeah. way, the site I was talking about is Pococha P O C O C H A. If you're interested in checking them out, but there's loneliness, but there's also that sense of and and we're seeing this with Gen Z and Gen Alpha of stop showing off the perfect you that Instagram perfected that makes everybody mentally deranged because they're not that good looking or nice or living that glamorous life, and really present the real you and the real person of who you are. And more and more, you know, whether you pick up your mobile and start doing that, that gets you a little bit closer to this is just me. We saw stuff like Be Real pop up. And some of this is coming out of the lockdown during COVID as well, where you know, whether you're a younger Gen Z or Gen Alpha, all of your socialization, you learned how to socialize, not face to face, but through Zoom and you know, and and through telegraph telegraph and through um you know video games you might play and 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 Discord. And that's become more and more the way that people are getting used to socializing anyway, which makes live and adds new opportunity for live as well.
0: Yeah, I think. I think I don't know what. What's your thought? Are we going to see a lot more live as we look to, to the future? I know that there was a big announcement about TikTok um, doing this e-commerce play, where um, creators are going to be able stop to create, create create videos in support of their their new Amazon competitor that's trying to sell merchandise. And it just it creates. I don't know if all those are going to be live. I think a lot of them could be pre-recorded, but I just wonder about the as a creator should. Should we be encouraging the community to think more about live? I think we should if people want to,
1: right? Yeah, well, like I said, they're different types it's of their right. Yeah. There's always going to be a place for pre-recorded stuff that's really beautiful and wonderful. But live does give you a chance to talk to your community. You do a great job bringing your community in. That's absolutely a great. And the people who do a really good job with live stream shopping bring their community in. Uh, an OG friend of mine from the space, Max Benader, who you know, used to manage Toby Turner, Tobuskus, and a bunch of other people, is now running a live stream shopping enabling app. It helps people, uh, creators and other people, go live on TikTok and other places called Orca. And I've seen his... You know, he goes out at various different events with TikTok and other people and brings in a couple of creators. And they actually do, they bring in a a brand and they do live stream shopping and show it off. And the best ones are the ones that are really engaging and interesting that show off the products, but also bring the community in. And it's like, community's like, oh, I want to see what that bag looks like from the bottom. Or, you know, or they call people out and go, hey, thanks for buying that, June. That's great. You're going to love that. And let me know what you think. That sort of interaction, it not only leads people to fun stuff, but it makes people feel valued. Like they exist and we all want to be validated.
0: Yeah. And I was, I'm trying to play around with, with with a new platform. It's called, um, braid it. And it's basically a video commenting platform. Um, I I'm probably here in the next week. I'm going to prompt my, my audience here to submit in advance, kind of like short, um, 30 second videos that I can play, during the program that you know has a question or a comment or something like that that could be used as well so i i would love to incorporate kind of more video stuff um but you know being able to
1: rob i I love that idea i'm smiling because i was the one back in 1999 i think i did a deal with 3com when they had these uh 320 by 240 video cameras we did a deal to create the uh the uh, Tech TV vid cam, net Netcam Network, where we oh. we gave ten thousand of these, you know, cameras away to our audience, and we were the first ones to put fans on TV. We did, you know, call for help and screensavers. We'd have people call in on the Netcam Network, and they would actually you could see them and cure them for the first time. And so I love what you're talking about because it's kind of the same thing. It's like don't just let me write in text, you know, or do an no. audio call in. I'll, Hi, this is Jim on the phone from Texas, <laughs> but put their video up. And I love that you're thinking about doing that here too. I think it's great.
0: Yeah. It's just a matter of kind of, you know, doing it in a way that um, doesn't, you know, you know, I think it's a balance, right. Of, of what the video is too. I mean, there's always a risk. And I know some of the, um, the viewers of last week's show kind of commented about this in the comment was that there's a danger of opening it up to video comments during the show. And then, Playing them without reviewing them in advance, right? right. So you're going to need um, to hire someone to come in.
1: You're exactly. Up, you know, you're going yeah. to have someone running your uh, running. Yeah, I'll have to talk
0: to <laughs> the Streamyard and see if when their team can come in and kind of kind of moderate that for. We got
1: to wait till Streamyard has that feature and function, then they will.
0: Yeah. No, I <laughs> think it would be terrific. I think it would be a great add-on to to what they're doing with text because I think it does. I mean, I love this kind of capability of being able to to bring in comments like, like this from all of the, the streaming platforms. and I Yeah, think it
1: looks great on the interface. I love the way that you can just say, look, oh, you know, we like what Wonton wants to say. We're going to pop that up there so we can see it. Or Norma, you know, to, and by the way, Norma's point on making the live show watchable, absolutely. But, you know, some live stuff isn't meant to be watched later. It only exists in the moment, or you think about it in the moment. But, you know, definitely if you want replayability, Think about it. You know, don't just go up there and start babbling away. Maybe have a rundown. You know, television was good for some things, and some of it was rundowns and planning breaks and sections and, you know, and and being able to do that and think about the flow as well. So, and that takes a skill, too.
0: It does. It does. And, and to do this kind of convergence strategy, it kind of requires you to create content that's good for audio, too, which means that anything you put on yeah. the screen, right. you need to describe. Right. Yep, so the yep. audience that's listening can follow along with that and feel like they're they're part of the show, too, you know, and exactly. not feel like that they're getting left out. So that's the challenge of the this balance between such a, a visual medium that, you know, StreamYard presents here is that, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. trying to walk that line. And it's that's also another skill that people have to learn is is to not take things for granted that's on the screen, which is another challenge. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. And uh, let's see, Beauty wrote something, I guess, and I I, I didn't uh, comment and said. Um,
1: yeah, about uh, Pie saying about his success that uh, the viewers and the subscribers yeah. care about him. That's it. Exactly. It's your friend. We used to say at Revision 3, it's not a fan base. It's a friend base. And that is so true
0: yeah no i I mean I've always thought about podcasting as building friendships um and and trusted friendships too right so you're there for them they can trust you they they can believe in you, but you have to foster that you can't just assume that that's gonna happen and the way to do that is to listen to other people and be able to have an interactive communication. I've always loved it when I did, did live shows when the audience got to know each other and they would talk to each other in the comment threads, not to me, they would talk to each other. And and we, we've we actually seen that a little bit tonight where cool. we're audience members here are talking to each other, not just to us.
1: <laughs> well, that's so critical because it really is. It's not a one-way medium. It's a two-way medium and it's building a community. And I you know, used to say back in the version three days and certainly at VidCon where it's like the people who do it really well, Build a community where it's not, they're not, they're they're kind of the center of the community, but really they're just sort of the they're the catalyst for the community. And the community exists not only to connect with the creator, but to connect with each other because there's a shared interest, a shared love. And people self-identify around that love of that and can connect. And it's one of the things I think Discord did really well as it built up during the pandemic was allowing people to connect like that and connect with each other. And we see that on really good communities. And you see that. You know, at VidCon, when I was running VidCon and we would bring in creators, you know, I remember one time seeing seven, you know, teen, maybe, you know, older teen girls in a in a hotel room coming in together. And and I, I remember asking them, like, you guys, it must be great to get together. You know, you've, you've been friends for a long time. And they're like, no, we all just met this, t- you know, today for the first time. We all are fans of this creator and we're part of this community. And we all came because we just wanted to hang out together. And so the Creator was the thing that brought them together, but their friendship that they developed online translated into that physical IRL friendship and that's a beautiful thing when that happens
0: yeah I agree with you I uh, uh, yeah uh, we got a comment up from April R- Roga it says Rob uh, did, did you say braid it yeah I said braid it just like you spelled it there but just add a dot app to the end of it and you, you can get to the tool but i'll I'll be talking about Uh, more about it uh, in next episode after I've had a chance to kind of keep working on trying to integrate this so it it actually works uh, well so thank you for the comment and and let's see what's the
1: hey someone someone asked about um, channel links I will tell you just because I want to self-promote for a
0: minute
1: (laughs) I can share but if you're on LinkedIn and if you're not you should be if you're on LinkedIn. Just uh, search for me. It's uh, Jim Lauderbach, but J-L-O-U-D-E-R-B is what I am on every platform. And uh, Inside the Creator Economy uh, is the newsletter that I do. It's, it's the best way to subscribe right now is through LinkedIn, although you can also do it on my website, lauderbach.com, and you can get an RSS feed there as well if you want to, but weekly, free, um, all about the Creator Economy, news, what you need to know, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, there you go. That's That's where you can find my stuff.
0: Jim, I got you covered.
1: <laughs> I love that. I know, I see. Well done.
0: So you also have, um, th- there's a couple of other places too. Let me pull up this. Uh, let's see here. That's your personal website. And then I think this is the Creator Economy landing page on uh, LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, that's my LinkedIn. So inside the Creator Economy is the newsletter and um, yeah, just, just connect with me, follow me on LinkedIn. And, and if you follow me on LinkedIn, it automatically asks you if you want to subscribe to the newsletter. So, yeah. So
0: how frequently are you updating content in here um, and what's the context? I put it out
1: weekly. It's basically news and insight about what's going on in the creator world, you know, YouTube, TikTok, podcasts in the, in, in, um, that newsletter, which is the one that went out on Monday, I had a story about audio, which is doing something heinous they're taking, you know how when you do a podcast and you do a host read and you're like, hey, sign up for this and use my special code, you know, Rob Greenland, and you'll get 25% off your first year. Right. Well, what they're doing is they're auto cutting those out of podcasts and distributing them through their app. And they're like, oh, this shouldn't be a problem because, you know, they're, you know, it's like not going to hurt the creator. I'm like, yes, it's going to hurt the creator. Yeah. You're ripping things off from them. That's just one of the stories that I tend to talk about. So, yeah, anyway.
0: Yeah, um, I think it's an interesting um uh, topic because I think that platform that you're talking about um was actually going to charge listeners 5 dollars a month.
1: Yes, it, they are. And they're like, <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, for creators, here's what you can do. Talk right. to us about it. You know, we can we can do a joint development thing together where you know it's like, wait a minute, you're gonna steal from me, and then I've got to do a deal with you to get my money back, part of it. It's just I find those things, you know, I'm a creator, I've worked with creators, I've built companies for creators. I don't like people who take advantage of creators and from where I sit, they are. So that's the kind of stuff I talk about along with others.
0: So. Yeah. I see that, uh, there, there, there was one, and uh, already had any of this influencer versus creator. So I think when a lot of people think about that, they think that they're kind of one and the same, right? Well, they uh, kind of
1: are. I mean, sometimes yeah. my images and, and are, you know, I, I want to get comments. I want to get people thinking. Right. So those are good things for people to, to take a look at. But, um, you know, and I generally what I do is I'll comment on four or five stories that are happening and, and talk about what's going on. And then I've got a lot of links to other stories. Generally, you can have up to, I don't know, sometimes 30 or 40 stories that I highlight. And they're things that interest me and that I think are happening. And uh, I think other people that are in the creator world, whether they're creators or they're running content companies or um, they're media companies, technology companies working with creators, for creators listen to creators. It's, it just keeps you up to speed on what's going on get my own opinions and you can comment on it. And I'm, you know, by far, I'm not always right, but at least I hope to make people think. Uh,
0: yeah. Well, that's, that's half the battle, right? And that's exactly what I try and do in this show too, is, is, you know, the, the elements that, that, that I think both of our experiences is to bring a little bit of a different perspective based on, a historical view as well, so it's it's real easy to get kind of caught up in what's happening today. But to have an understanding of why things are happening today is gives you greater depth and and context to why they're happening, and maybe how you can take advantage of that um, in a way that maybe is different than other people. And I think that's the key. I mean, so as you think about like Doctor Mister um, Beast versus uh, like big nation, just to take two programs that span the test of time here. Um, what do you think the next thing will be after Mr. Beast that, that will work? Do you, do, you, do you have any vision on that about yeah, well, what's next?
1: I'll give you a couple of thoughts there. And by the way, before that, I want to like call out April who said, we're all influencers, whether it's healthy or unhealthy. <laughs> I will say, we're all influencers. Everybody influences someone. Sometimes it might just be your dog, but uh, right. so yeah. And the healthy, unhealthy is really good. But look, I think the Mr. Beast kind of way of storytelling and formatting that has taken over YouTube is, it's really taken over YouTube. I mean, YouTube put out their top um, 23 trends and top creators. Seven of the top 10 uh, biggest growing creators of 23, one of them's Mr. Beast. The other six are essentially Mr. Beast formatted, which that rapid fire challenge, this and that. And I think that's, it's okay. You see formats. I mean, this happened on television when Survivor came out, and then there were a thousand other reality TV shows that were similar to it. But as we look at formats on YouTube, I think some of the, there's um, Max Reisinger and a couple of other people run this thing called Creators Camp, where they go out and, and bring creators together and help them, and they all help each other on building their career. But they've been talking about the YouTube new wave, which is more of a return to storytelling, slower paced storytelling, maybe a little bit more uh, highly produced storytelling. So I think we may see some of that. I think we're going to see more and more of the utility creators that have been popping up on TikTok move more towards YouTube and go longer form because TikTok is a good place to get awareness, but it's not a good place to make money. And then I think as we look a little bit further in the future, it's people who are able to tell stories like we were talking about before on Minecraft and Roblox and the metaverse and Fortnite and other areas that are going to be really interesting to keep your eye on.
0: Yeah. As you think about even the 360 degree video experiences in the, the new um, Apple vision glasses. Right. Yeah, that too, uh, exactly. yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, it's, I mean, I've been playing around with that. I've got one of the Insta 360 cameras. I've been playing around with that for a few months now and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty r- remarkable experience to create that. And it, it basically enables you to create kind of like, you know, I think most video today is like, it's very front facing, very kind of boxy type of thing where these cameras are going to create a more of an immersive experience and be able to show what's behind, what's in front, what's up and what's down. And I just wonder, you know, as we think about um, how we do this stuff. Now, granted doing a show like we're doing here doesn't really make sense for, th- for 360 degree video, but um, you know, that could be a completely different format. You know, as yeah. And future. I
1: saw some interesting, I was just at a, uh, an event where documentarians go, you know, the people who did stuff for national geographic or, um, or various other people. And uh, there were a couple of people showing off some of the interesting things they're doing in that immersive 3d world. One is at, you know, museums to be able to take a museum show that you might only be able to see in Paris, but you could actually go experience it from anywhere in the world. Or what's even more interesting is they'll do uh, installations where they recreate what it was like, one of these guys doing this in Paris, they recreate what it was like to be at the first time that the Impressionist painters ever got together in the 1800s or the 1700s, I think, 1800s. So, you know, Van Gogh, Monet, Manet... um, Uh, Gauguin, all of them kind of in the same room in the salon. And there aren't a lot of pictures from that time. There are no pictures from that time. There's writing about it. But they basically recreated Paris in the the mid-1800s and the place where they met and the way that they met. And they have people playing those particular artists. And it's a fascinating way to be somewhere where you could never be and walk around and experience it as if you were at that event right there. Kind of like, you know, in 50 years, people might recreate VidCon, the first VidCon, where 1,500 people gathered at the, you know, the Hyatt in Century City, and it was an amazing experience and really kicked off yeah. what we think of as the uh, creator economy today.
0: Yeah, this is the Insta360 oh, um, X3, and it's turned those on of you right listening, now. He's holding the camera up and
1: rotating yeah. it so that you can see it, and it's got these sort of round camera balls on either side, you know, it's a typical candy bar phone with those round uh, cameras on either side. So you can capture 360.
0: Yeah. So it actually will capture um, up and down right, and then 360 around. It's actually 6k video is what's coming out of this. So I think we'll see probably that be upgraded to probably 8k eventually. But as you think about that, the, the wraparound video experience that could happen with the Apple vision pro glasses that are coming, um, that will, that will present a unique opportunity. I mean, and you think like, like about a Mr. Beast and the kind of content he creates that could, I could see him using a 360 degree video experience for the kind of content that he creates and it'll be interesting. So, but anyway, I mean, I think for most of us, it's probably a little early for that. Um, but, but, it's probably worth. I mean, it's not that expensive of a camera. It's, um, but I guess it depends on your budget on that. But yeah. it's like four. It's like four hundred dollars for for a camera. But but that's not too far out of the realm of of any good good camera today. Um,
1: Somebody but, is gonna. I'll make a prediction for you. Someone's gonna pay Mister Beast Business Enterprises whatever a lot of money to make a three hundred and sixty video that's gonna run on whether it's the Quest three or the. Stuff that you're talking about from Apple yeah, or right. the, the glasses, the I think the Ray-Ban <laughs> glasses coming out from Meta, so some someone's going to pay them to do that, and that's going to be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, am I sure how soon that's going to be happening? But you know, I know that the the glasses from Apple are still a little expensive.
1: <laughs> There's a time between now and some point in the future where it will happen, and so I learned this yeah. from from a technologist at Microsoft. He said, "Look." do you think this is going to happen? I'm like, I don't know. And he said, can you imagine a point at some point in the future, forget about how many years where it happens? I'm like, yeah, sure. I see that happening. He said, well, now it's just about when, right. And how we get from point A to point B. So it will happen. Just is it going to happen next year? Is it going to happen in 10 years, 50 years, a hundred years? I don't know, but it will happen.
0: Do you think that we'll, we'll see an expansion of uh, kind of virtual Reality experiences as it relates to video, or do you think it's really going to mostly play out as augmented uh, 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 reality, where we're layering in kind of digital experiences on top of a uh, uh, reality? I know that there was a lot of early kind of play around platforms around AR, um, uh, augmented reality, um, is is really the the only thing that has really kind of stood out. uh, There's a place
1: for both. It's just that the bandwidth needed and and what you have to do are very different. Um, I think, you know, I don't think it's either or. I think it's certain things will be better in an AR world. Certain things are better in a virtual world. When you're walking around, you want a heads up display uh, or other things, that's going to be something that will happen in AR once we, with the processing required to sort of inject digital elements into what your eye sees normally is really, really complex. I mean, this is why Magic Leap failed because, you know, they were able to do it at some level. And it's like seeing a 2D world interspersed on top of your natural 3D world. So at a lower bit rate than what your eyes see. And so that's going to be an issue, a bit resolution than what your eyes see. Um, we're already seeing these virtual 3D, you know, immersive VR worlds out there. You can do, you know, you, Roblox is on the Oculus Quest 2 now. Mm-hmm. And so... You can do some of that today. It's just, how do we get from the early adopter, blocky, you know, not a great um, visual experience to one that feels like reality? And so both of those will develop on their own timelines and have different use cases. And both of them will offer different kinds of opportunities
0: for creators to tell stories. Yeah, I think so too. It's going to be interesting to see. Is there any... So as we think about um, kind of r- r- wrapping up here a little bit before we get into the, the giveaway um, and definitely enter um, the yard into the comment field and it's hashtag the yard and that'll get you entered into the, the giveaway for the stream yard mug and a, um, a puddles the duck that w- we will mail out to you and you too can put it on the shelf behind you. You know, if you want to, Puddles or, the Duck. Or you can give it to your dog. No, just kidding.
1: <laughs> I, I might not be dog safe right there. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah <it's safe. laughs> Definitely. So, puddles the Duck. Yeah, Puddles the Duck. So, that's what I call my dog. Puddles the Dog. Yeah. Puddles the Dog. Yes. Yes. What so, Luann
1: calls her dog. Do you know Luann, the comic strip? Oh. Uh, uh yeah i've heard of Luann. yeah, yeah. Luan, the uh, comic strip has been running for like 30 or 40 years in newspapers her dog is puddles uh well did you know that see now you know something about no puddles. i didn't actually know, know that
0: and, and everybody wanted...
1: who's here knows about puddles now
0: yeah and if you're not using Streamyard, uh using <laughs> Sorry, this Rob. address can can help you get a get a free trial to to Streamyard and and get a massive discount um going forward if you want to give Give StreamYard a try. It's a terrific platform to do this convergence strategy and create uh, terrific audio and video content. So if you wanted to create a, an audio version of your show, it's pretty easy to do that. And um, Jim, what, what, what's your thought? I know that there's been a lot of discussion in the podcasting space over the last, you know, couple of weeks around. Do you think that RSS has played its, played its course out and, because there's discussion in the industry right now that it, it may be we're uh, approaching a time when rss is just too antiquated um and i don't know do you have a perspective on that
1: it's a very simple protocol and a very easy way to move things around and subscribe mm-hmm. to things i i mean i'm i haven't followed it because i haven't run a business that was rss based since you know i got out of i, I left discovery and revision yeah. three and what, 2014, 2015. Yeah. So I love that I can still use it on my WordPress blog and stick something up there and it works and people can sub. I don't, you know, my favorite readers are gone. Feed demon, bless its heart no longer. Um, and some of the others. So I don't know. I think, um, I, I, I don't necessarily have an opinion, but, uh, okay. um, I hope it sticks around. and And again, it's such a simple protocol that, You know, why wouldn't it be out there? I mean, there's still such simple protocols that are still out there underpinning the internet. So, you know, I think it's life will be a long time. Will it be a dominant? I don't know. There's always new technologies to replace old.
0: Well, and I think that there's this, this um, tension right now. And and I think YouTube is really in the middle of it, of, of maybe through their support of podcasting, they're, they're putting a, a spotlight on. Um, the development of proprietary platforms taking a, a significant role here. I mean, you think about Spotify is through their Spotify for podcasters platform is making RSS optional. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I would I, I would love to see RSS kind of extend itself. And there is some efforts in the part of the industry to do what's called podcasting 2.0, which is. I was
1: just going to say it's an RSS 2.0. I hadn't heard about it, but I could have called that one. Yeah, <laughs> right
0: and th- there's really an active effort to extend um some new tags into the namespace of RSS to extend the functionality and to create like more of, j- just one example is an integrated kind of commenting system through RSS oh, so yeah. if you could link up all of the listening apps comments and all Consolidate them and share them across all the other listening apps. You you could create this kind of like what we're doing here with comments, yep. is create a more integrated community around that, and then also create o- opportunities for um, e- you know um, trading out satoshis um, th- that is based in Bitcoin um, t- to be able to pay content creators, pay the listening apps and for, for the content creators to actually pay their listeners to to listen to have this kind of microtransaction capability in the platform so there is efforts on, on the part of the industry to extend rss to make it more relevant today and but there's resistance um yeah. anything new as you i'm sure have experienced itself is 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 difficult to get adoption in a medium that's very open and and very established and totally. stuck in their ways of sorts.
1: <laughs> I just want my board apes to be able to listen. So if we could do that, that'd be great. Right. I don't have right. any board apes.
0: Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, well, um, let's, let, let's show some of the comments that, that we have here. And so it looks like a lot of folks are submitting, um, to get in on the raffle. Um, so, if, uh, yeah. Um, It's cool. I'm going to say
1: thanks Pete Johns
0: for being a fan
1: since the red three days. Yay. So, Yeah.
0: Yeah, It would be great to see that network come back somehow. I don't know if there's ever any thought on your part to,
1: you know what people talk about that with tech TV, we should bring tech TV back. And somebody try to do that too. I think it's tough. Um, but you know, um, there's all this new stuff that'll come out too.
0: Yeah. So Christopher adds, that's a good question. Do you feel that the audio downloads from StreamYard are are comparable quality to uh, recording locally? Well, StreamYard s- supports local recordings, um, so you can you can actually, if you enable that in the interface, you, uh, you can actually get local recordings from your guest and yourself. Um, so you can create that um, higher quality audio experience if you want to. Um, or you can, you can just download the master files that is actually um, are recorded in the cloud, but the platform is looking at trying to integrate those local recordings into the master downloads. So if, if those are available, so sometimes they're not available. So it's just a matter of having the platform be flexible enough to be able to embrace that. But I, I would expect to see that coming, um, in the future at some point, I, I I can't make any announcements on that, but that's, that's, um, that's something. And I would say, yes, um, the the audio quality that I have gotten out of this platform. Now, granted it's quality in quality out is always a factor here too. So it depends on the quality of your microphone and your connection and all those kinds of things will have an impact on the audio quality. So, so keep that in mind on what your recording environment is, is there echo, what kind of microphone that you're using, if you're using a a dynamic microphone that's probably going to work better and more versatile in a lot of different uh, recording environments where if you have a condenser microphone, which are typically, um, a little more expensive, usually, um, can, will pick up basically everything and you may not want that. So, um, so it it really gets back to your, your equipment, your internet connection, um, that, that you have, and that will have a strong impact on the audio quality. So, so anyway, um, Let's see here if we have any others. Um, Say that was okay. I think we've gotten through uh, most of. Uh, this is the first time watching our uh, your, your live stream. Uh, watching from Philippines, thank you so much, Jeffrey, from joining us from so far away. I appreciate.
1: Yeah, you. and Jeffrey, there's a possibility that come May I might be doing another event uh, in the Creator Space in Singapore, so. If you ever want to come to Singapore, keep your uh, ears open on that one. We'll be All talking right. about podcasting and much more.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And, um, and it looks like we are still getting entries into the drawing for Puddles and uh, StreamYard Mug. So um, it's the uh, hashtag the yard is what you want to enter in. And it's just like uh, what people are doing right here. Um, is a is a great way to join this. Let's see. Let's look at. Uh, oh. I
1: totally want Streamyard to do a mashup with Luann now, so that Puddles can meet Puddles.
0: Can You make <laughs> that happen. Hey, let's <laughs> let us let us do it, Jim. I am open to it. So yeah,
1: <laughs> the the I forget the name of the cartoonist, but he goes to Comic Con every year. So um, should, like slip into Comic Con when it happens again with your little puddles duck, and be like, we got to get puddles and puddles together.
0: Right, right. So Pete said uh, he's personally found StreamYard's local recordings are are close to recording direct. So, you know, I think that th- that's, that's validation that if you use those local recordings, it's it's going to sound pretty good. You know, it, and you don't have to have perfect audio <laughs> to be successful hmm. as an audio podcaster, but it needs to be listenable and not painful. That <laughs> would be my my comment on that. Well, so.
1: I'd also say, Rob, that audio is so important for video, too. It's one of those things that people think, like, oh, the image ought to look beautiful. It's got to be like, you know, 4K, and I've got like to like get the contrast. You know what? If your audio sucks, no one's going to look at your beautifully rendered video. So audio quality is so important, not just for audio, but for video, too.
0: Yeah, and I think as you think about... Uh, broadcast TV, and maybe you can give some context in this, you know, audio oftentimes was kind of like, uh, not the priority, right. Um, on, 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 the broadcast side for, for many programs that I listened to. Um, I don't know. I'm sure with, with, um, your revision three, that was always an important piece. Well, but.
1: it was, it, it, it depends on the signals quality as well. And, you know, when you were just sending AM radio around, right. And had low, yeah. you know, low bit rate or whatever, you know, not bit rate, you know, if it was analog TV, but yeah. if the spectrum available was really tight and narrow and not deep, then why would you need really important audio? But you know, when we went from SD to HD, uh, I don't know the specs. I should, but I, I'm pretty sure audio improved as well. You know, we went from mono to stereo, and so. there was always a lag because you spend all this money to build a studio and then you're like, wait, I got to replace everything. And so oftentimes they replace the video before the audio. um, And that may be why some of that happened.
0: Yeah. And I think, I mean, you you certainly can replace the audio track in your video. It's just a matter of having the correct tools to do that. And that's why StreamYard needs to offer that as an option to be able to automatically do that on your master downloads. Um, So hopefully that will come at some point in the future, and, and and Natasha writes, I've used StreamYard for podcast recordings and include the visualizers. Um, not sure many people use it that way. It, it's um, it's simple for me, and the local recordings feature has has been helpful um, when using a Logitech mic. So I, you know. It does work to do this. It can be a little bit challenging to to swap out the audio in a video because you have to get them aligned properly. Um, so, you know, the audio doesn't come out, you know, yeah. when your mouth is out of position from what you're saying. So it can be a little bit of a challenge. But some of the tools have the ability to synchronize um, those things uh, like Adobe Audition and some of those have. Have those kind of kind of abilities built into them.
1: There are also Um, some nice AI tools. The uh, Adobe Podcaster one and Descript has one called Studio Sound that really can take your audio and even if it's a little crappy, like I've done stuff with my cell phone and popped it through Studio Sound and Descript, it can make a big difference. It can make it sound a lot better. So some and the you know the I think the uh, Adobe Podcast version is actually free.
0: Yeah, it is. Actually, you just drag and drop the audio in there and it processes it and spits it out. It does the, you know, the equalizing and boosting of the audio, which is really important. And it, and it oftentimes doesn't get talked about is the level boost that a podcast audio, um, show should have. Uh, oftentimes audio is too quiet in the podcasting space because you have to keep in mind, people are listening to this audio in a lot of different, um, environments, right? They could be on a bus, they could be on a train, they could be on an airplane, and there's a lot of noise around them. So you have to have adequate volume to the audio as well. So keep that in mind. And there's there's tools that can boost uh, or what's called level your audio to get it up to an adequate level um, for audio consumption and and yeah. Normalizing important.
1: is really important. Also compression sometimes so that you can too. bring right. your lowest lows up so that, you know, when your voice goes like this and all of a sudden you're talking really softly, hey,
0: not really loudly. Well, especially if you have a guest, right? Bring those together. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. If your guest is a lot louder than you are, um, or you're right. a exactly. lot louder than your guest, right? It can create this kind of like where the, the audience is riding that volume up and down during your whole show well, and, and that's a really good reason
1: to to do stereo yeah. recording. I'm not sure. I'm sh- pretty sure StreamYard will let you do that, right? It'll yeah, put one it guest on one side and one guest on the other. Yep. But then you can control each time. I mean, there's lots of stuff you can do at post, right?
0: Yep. That's true. That's true. So, well, let's see here. Uh, spot on, Jim. I've shared s- s- 720p webcam video, and folks find it totally acceptable. Um, you know, echoey, echoey audio is not. Not so great,:
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, could not agree more, Pete.
0: right, right. so anyway, well let's let's jump in. I, I know time is running away from us, and I know everybody's anxious to get their puddles duck in their email or <laughs> Get their your mailbox. puddles
1: here. Get your right. puddles here.
0: See he's got a happy smile on his face.: I
1: like the puddles. Puddles is great, puddles got headphones
0: on too. right, right, so let's let's pull that up. Go, and puddle, we go. will go puddles. Go, go puddles. Get it, go, get go, it go, done go. here. So let's uh, drum roll? I'm gonna play it. I'm gonna play I a little bit of music in the background roll. here. Right. So so we have to do something like that. So you know we create a little suspense, but it's actually fun. So uh let's uh let's add it to the stage. And I think we're up to
1: Thirty six entries, I 36 love it. Thirty
0: six entries so far. And if you wanted to get in there and add um, hashtag the yard here at the last minute before I, I, I draw um the, the winner here, jump in there really, really quick and get it done. So but it looks like we're locked at thirty six. So let's go ahead and hit the button. Ah uh, wins. Thank you so much for entering the sweepstakes. You are the winner of a puddles duck and a mug. Please send me your e send me an email with your mailing address. And here, let me put up on the screen my email address. And um we'd be happy to I'll share that with the StreamYard team and we'll get you a couple of uh, cool gifts out just in time for Christmas. So <laughs> be awesome so thank you so much uh, for joining the show tonight, um jim and um everybody that's listening out there it's been terrific to have you with me here and um i'm gonna i i think that's good so let's uh pull that down and let's um, maybe look at a couple of questions that were coming in that came in toward the end there. Let's see if we if we didn't miss anything. So, that was weird. I saw my photo and name. Didn't enter a hashtag to participate. Well, you know. It's a good thing you didn't win, April. <laughs> <laughs> you had a shot at it. And then, uh Yeah. Congrats, Norma. I would love to hear from you. So send me an email, Greenly at gmail.com. And thank you so much for spending time with me tonight and and Jim. um, And Jim, thank you for joining me and taking your time out to, to get on this live stream. Always so- good
1: to catch up, Rob. And uh, thanks everyone for being part of it.
0: Yeah. So, how can folks keep up with you? What, what What's the best place? Yeah, I know. Go to LinkedIn.
1: I, I, connect with me on LinkedIn. Read the newsletter. Um, that's the best way. So, okay. Jim dot com is my email. But you know, go up on LinkedIn. Connect with me, and um, and uh, right. that's the best way to do it.
0: Well, and, and you you have comment threads up there too on all of. Oh, your, yeah, all my. Uh, your posts, I've got right? comments
1: on all of my newsletters. I'm in the comment streams all the time. We do meetups. I do meetups for the Inside the Creator Economy around the world. I did one in Lisbon a couple weeks ago. I've got an upcoming one in Vegas in January around the Creator Economy Live Expo. Probably do one in Dubai as well. I think I'm going to have one another one in, Vegas, in San Diego. So yeah, stay, just
0: go up there. And you'll find out all about it. And one last comment. Beauty Bubble says that this has been a wonderful time tonight, guys. Thank you, Jim. And you're amazing. And you always have been. I've always... I really always have enjoyed talking with you and spending time with you, and it's the same with everybody that joins me. There was a lot of, a lot of familiar names tonight that uh, spent time w- w- with us here, and I appreciate you taking your Thursday night to to join us. But
1: thanks, guys. Um, yeah, yeah uh, as a Patriots fan, I'm going to go watch the Patriots game now, but it's going to be miserable. So. I'll probably think <laughs> more fondly about this than that, but I got to watch anyway. So all right, um, right. thanks, sir. Thanks. Great community. Great hanging with all you guys. And um, let's do it again.
0: Okay. That sounds great.